Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. Turn with me, if you would, over to the book of, of Habakkuk. It's in the Old Testament, of course. Habakkuk. And... Uh, Habakkuk is just before Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. So if you go back from Malachi, then Zechariah, and Haggai, and Zephaniah, and then Habakkuk, you'll be able to find it. Praise the Lord. Habakkuk. Glory to God. We're going to look at the third chapter. Praise the Lord. While you're turning there, let me just tell you that... uh, you know, there's, we, we've been talking about the move of God and revival, and we're in revival. And, uh, you know, from the very, very beginning of this year, we had the sense, in fact, I even preached on that, that this year is going to be distinctively different, that, that this is going to be a tremendous year in the things of God for our church. And... Uh, Uh, the moving of the Spirit and uh, just the uh, sense of revival has grown in our church all since the beginning of this year. And, uh, you know, if if you're not personally in revival yourself, see, revival is a personal thing. And uh, congregations get revived. And then revival spreads, you know, many times across a community or even a nation around the world and congregations and groups are on fire and just caught up in what God's doing. But it all starts with the individual. The individual has to be in revival. Now, if you've not experienced revival yourself, you might very easily sit there and wonder, what what is this all about? What is the big deal? What are you talking about? What, what, what is this revival thing? What, why do we need to be revived? What, what, what are you even talking about? If you've not experienced it, it's very easy to question and not understand it. But once you experience revival, you never forget it. Amen. You know what that's like. And this church is in a, a time of revival, but it's not just this church. This is something that God is doing all across the land. And churches and and congregations, pastors that I know personally, there is a sense of revival and it's stirring and it's growing because God's doing something. But I know in in this particular church, Impact Family Church, it used to be called Faith Christian Fellowship. We started in 1980. And, uh, you know, I've been here the whole time. And in this church, this is the first time we've been in this kind of revival. Our church has never experienced what we're experiencing right now. Now, this is just the beginning. We're just in the early stages. But I'm telling you, what we're experiencing right now, I know because I've been here, and we've not experienced this before, and and one reason I know this is because I have experienced it before. I came out of a church before I went to Ramah uh, I came out of a church that was in revival just like this. And I'm not talking about a set of revival services. Now, back then, we did have 
evangelists and other people come in from time to time and they would conduct what we called revivals and they would usually run about a week. Now when I was a younger uh, person, a little boy, I remember revivals running two, three, four, sometimes five weeks or longer. In, in a church. And so th- those were called revivals, because, but they were, they were basically planned extended meetings. And sometimes they resulted in the church being revived and sometimes they didn't. But not, I'm not talking about that. The church that I came out of just before I went to Ramah, there was a spirit of revival in that church all the time. And I started going back to church in 1973 after I'd got back into fellowship with the Lord uh, in the fall of the previous year. And I started going back to church. I started going to this church. And uh, there was a sense of revival, a spirit of revival in the church when I got there. And uh, I left that church in, in 1978 to follow God's plan uh, for my life further before I went into Bible school. And that same spirit of revival was in that church and it stayed that whole time. And we had different services and we had, you know, some better services and some services that maybe weren't as as great, but there was a constant flow of the spirit and revival in that church. And that's what we have. I know because I've seen it before. I know what it is and it's what's going on in our church. Amen. And so I want to talk to you today about what, what the characteristics uh, of revival are. In other words, I've, I've, I've suggested that, there, that if you're in revival, you know it, but if you're not in revival, you, you don't really know it because you don't, know, you don't have anything to compare it with. And so I want to give you some characteristics of revival. And uh, in other words, what does revival, what will revival look like on you? What, 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 what is it if a person's in revival? I mean, if, if someone is experiencing revival and somebody else beside them isn't, well, what's the difference in those two? Is it discernible? Yes, it is. Amen. First of all, I want us to look at Habakkuk. And in the third chapter, starting in verse 2, it says, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work. In the midst of the years, in the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Verse 3 says, God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. If you want to sum up what revival is, it's in those two words in verse number 3, God came. That's what revival is. God came. When God comes on the scene in a new and fresh and powerful way, it lifts us up from where we have been and brings us into a place we haven't been. God came. Now, someone would argue, well, that's not theologically sound because God is every, present everywhere at all times. I understand that God is omnipotent, He's all powerful. I know God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. I know God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere present. I know that. You can't go anywhere in the universe except, uh, except that you'll find that God is there. I understand that God is everywhere. But it's also clear that God is present 
in some places and at certain times in a way that he isn't in other places and at other times. Isn't that right? I mean, his presence can be more powerful in, in one situation than in another. You think about Bethlehem. You think about the night Jesus was born. Now, Jesus was the birth of the Messiah was the hope of Israel. All of the prophets of old foretold the coming of the Savior that would, that would save the world, that would free his people, the blessed hope. You know, there's not really any information given to us in the scripture about what took place the, the, the night Jesus was born. But I just have the conviction in, that in that lowly manger, in that humble place, where, where there was no fanfare, where there was no recognition of men, where there was no outward observance of anything different. This was a different birth. The Savior was born that night. I mean, just the, the thought of that holy night, it has inspired carols, uh, hymns of, of praise and worship. There was something majestic about the birth of the Lord. I just have the sense that in that, in that little humble scene that night, I tell you what, the glory of God was there. Isn't that right? And you, you look at other times. You could, you could go through and you could just look at different times where God came on the scene. What about the, the day of Pentecost? I mean, God came. Isn't that right? The Holy Spirit was poured out and the Bible says suddenly there came a sound uh, as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole place, the whole house and there appeared unto them, they saw them with their eyes, there appeared unto them divided tongues of fire and one of these tongues was divided off and another one divided off and, each, and one of them sat upon each one of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they started doing something they'd never thought of or never known before. They began to speak with other tongues. I'm telling you, God was present there that day and in that place in a way that he wasn't somewhere else in Jerusalem. Isn't that right? That's what we're talking about when we're talking about revival. We're talking about the fact that God shows up and, and we're in a time of visitation. Now, there is a general promise of revival. Uh, go with me over to, we can have revival anytime. We see here in Habakkuk, he said, Oh Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. Oh Lord, revive your work. Notice the prophet is praying. To the Lord, to the Lord, revive your work. In the midst of the years, he, he's talking about the fact that the years have passed. Time is going on. And uh, it doesn't seem like anything's happening. He's saying, Lord, revive your work in the midst of these long years. After such, long, such a long time, revive. Well, we can pray that. Go with me over to uh, Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles 7. Verse number 14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Notice he said that his people can do this. He said, if my people will do this, I will come. 
I will respond. And so the people of God today, of course, we are the church. Is, uh, the church is, uh, could be called the people of God. We are the people of God. We are his children. Uh, God is working today in the earth through the church, the body of Christ. Well, if the body of Christ humbles itself, people begin to pray and seek him, seek his faith, face, and turn from things that are wrong, turn from their evil ways or wicked ways. He said he will hear from heaven, he will forgive their sin and heal their land. Well, we can do that anytime. So there's a general promise of revival. But then we also know, go with me over to the book of Luke, I believe. Go with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke 19. And we've looked at this recently, but we'll read it again. Luke chapter 19 talks about a specific time of visitation. Luke 19, verse 41. As he drew near, that is Jesus, he saw the city and wept over it saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you and surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. That tells us that there are times of visitation that God initiates. Well, we believe we're in one of those times of visitation. We're in one of those times of that God has ordained and when he does that, he begins to stir people up. He puts the... the the awareness and the desire on the inside of people and he stirs them up. Amen. Go with me over to, go back to the Old Testament to uh, Hosea. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, or Jeremiah, Lamentation, Ezekiel, Hosea. Just before you get to Joel, Daniel, Hosea. Go to Hosea. Look at the sixth chapter. Verse one says, come and let us return to the Lord. Well, that would be a revival, wouldn't it? Be repentance. For he has torn and he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord for his going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter rain and former rain to the earth. Now we've already looked in previous services, we've looked at the significance of the latter rain and the former rain. And uh, if you just turn over a few pages to the book of Joel, the second chapter, he talks about that in the last days that there would be a mighty outpouring of the Spirit and it would come as the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. In other words, there would be all of the rain of God, all of the move. There would be a time where there would be a total outpouring of the Spirit of God. Well, those are things that are ordained of God. 
God, we're in the last time whether we think we are or not. We're in the last time whether we recognize it or not. We're in the last days whether we appreciate it or not. But the fact is because we're in the last days, the Spirit of the Lord is raising up a, a, a desire and a hunger for a move of God. And that's what brings revival to pass in this situation. It's not just so much people deciding to be revived, but the Spirit of God is working with us. Amen. And so uh, uh, revival, there are two parts to revival. In a situation like we're talking about today, there's God's part, but there's our part. God moves upon us. God stirs us up. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord leads us and impresses us, and, and uh, not just in one place, but as we know, it's, it's going on all over the nation and even in other places around the world. There's an awareness that, that we are at, at, in the beginning of a great and mighty end-time revival. And so because we sense that, we stir ourselves up to lay hold of that. So there's God's side and there's our side. Well, what does our side look like? That's what I want to talk about. What are the characteristics of revival? If, if, you're revival, if you're in revival, what will it look like? Amen. Revival, number one, I have nine things. I may get to them and I might not uh, today. There are, first of all, revival is characteristic. One of the, the first characteristic of revival is a deep hunger for more of God in your life. So if you want to know, am I in revival? Well, probably if you have to ask, you're probably not. If you're wondering what the big deal is, you're probably not in revival. If, uh, if you wonder why you would even need to be in revival, you're probably not. Because the first characteristic of revival is there is a deep hunger and desire to know God more than you've ever known him before. To be closer to him. A, a longing to know God in a deeper way. To have a greater intimacy with him. Now, there's, there is a major uh, false doctrine. That is, and I've talked about it a lot. And the reason I've talked about it is because it is a major false doctrine. You know, some teachings float through the body of Christ and they cause a few ripples. And they're not completely right and they, and they cause a little bit of trouble and then they just kind of pass on. But there is a false teaching and a major false doctrine that is gripping the church world today and it comes under the, under the heading of grace. And we all believe in grace, but there is a false grace teaching. And this false grace teaching basically, and you have to understand that in every error, well, I would say most every error and false doctrine that comes to the church, there's always some truth in it. And then and, and the truth is used to hook people and to deceive them into taking hold of something that's not true. But in this false teaching of, of, of grace, which we could call hyper grace or extreme grace or whatever you want to call it, the, the idea is that because you are in Christ, you are perfect just like you are. In other words, there's nothing you can do that would, by your conduct or your behavior, that God would approve of more than if you 
did not have that conduct or behavior. That you are well-pleasing to God, that in Christ, God forgave you of every transgression and every sin, and he created you perfect in in his image, and there's nothing you can do to uh, draw closer to the Lord because you're as close as you can be. You have been united with him. Well, there are certain things that are true in that because when we were raised up with Christ, we were born again and we became brand new in him and we are perfect in our relationship and we are perfect in our spirit being connected to the Lord, but our conduct is not always perfect. And... We were talking about this the other day in the office. In this grace teaching, there's no place for revival. Because in this extreme extreme grace teaching, how can you draw closer to God if you are already in Christ as close as you can be? You can't, there, there, there will never be revival in the camp of the extreme grace. Because they'd have to acknowledge that, there, that, that there's some place to move into that you aren't in now. Somebody said, well, I, I thought in Christ. We, well, listen, go with me over to James. Go to James, the book of James, epistle of James, and look at chapter 4. James chapter 4. See, this is true grace. In verse number six, it says, but he gives more grace. You know, there can be more grace or less grace. There can be more grace or less grace. Yeah. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Now, now forget all of the different headings that interfere here. Just read this together as one passage. He gives more grace, therefore he says, because he gives more grace, he says he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So he gives more grace, but who does he give more grace to? The humble. Well, if you're not humble, do you get the more grace? Well, let's see, we've already run afoul of all the grace teachers. Well, grace is free. There's nothing you can do. Well, evidently, humility has an impact upon grace. He gives grace to the proud. He gives grace to the arrogant. He gives grace to the satisfied. No, he gives grace to the humble. Amen. Therefore, submit to God. You can be more submitted or you can be less submitted and still be born again. I know that's true. I wouldn't have to point anybody out. I mean, I could just point anywhere. You can be more submitted and be a Christian, and you can, or you can be less submitted, still be a Christian, still go into heaven, still washed in the blood, still born again, still a child of God, still join heir with Jesus, still part of the body, still the righteousness of God, but not submitted as you should be. Come on now. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now notice, here's what I wanted you to see. Draw near to God. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. 
Well, if, if you can draw near to God and he can draw near to you, there must be some room. I mean, if, if I was just up here leaning against, you know, Greg and said, get closer, Greg, get closer, get closer to me. We couldn't be, we're as close as, we're, we're right up against each other. But this scripture says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That must mean, that must mean there is some room to move closer. You can be closer to the Lord than you are right now. And if you don't understand that and don't believe it, you need revival. And so the first characteristic of revival is a hunger, a deep hunger, a a, a sense that, God, there's more of you. I can know you better. The apostle Paul, in Ephesians chapter 3, he said that I might know him. Do you think he didn't know him? Yeah, he met him on the road to Damascus in a, in a way that most of us haven't. He said, the Lord Jesus appeared to me as of one born out of time. He had a, he, 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 the abundance of revelations were given to him. And yet even after the abundance of the revelation and even after knowing him, he said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, being made conformed conform to his death. Then he went on a couple of verses later, in, in, I think in verse 12, he said, not that I have already attained this or am already perfect. Well, on the one hand, we've been perfected in Christ. On the other hand, in our daily walk, in our daily experience, we have, we're not perfect. There, there is room for us to draw closer to the Lord. If you don't have a hunger on the inside of you. If, you, if there's not something uh, beyond the ordinary, the see, revival is beyond the ordinary. It's when God stirs you up beyond the ordinary. If there isn't a fresh and a new beyond the ordinary, beyond what you ordinarily experience, if there's not a hunger burning on the inside of you, something just gripping the inside of you, saying, God, I want more. I want to know you more. I want to be closer than I've ever been. If that hasn't gripped you, then you're not in revival. Amen. See, you can, you can make up your mind. You can be stirred today. Well, what did it say over in in Jeremiah? He said, I remember you. The Lord said, I remember you. I remember you in your youth. When when we were uh, betrothed in the days of your youth, how you went after me in the wilderness and you pursued me. He said, I remember that time. After with all of your heart, you pursued me. I dare say that most born-again people have experienced that time in their life when they were so, just so in love with God, so in love with the Lord, just so, just so hungry, and so appreciative of what God had done in their life, and just so, so, so caught up with knowing the Lord. If you've ever experienced that, and that has waned and that has sipped away, you can get that back. You can get that back. Begin, what did he say? You'll you'll find me when you seek for me. When you seek for me. Seek me with all of your heart. Well, you can decide to do that. 
Amen. A deep hunger to know the Lord. And, I, and like I said, you make no, make no uh, beans about it. or make no, you, know, you, you can know the Lord better. Make no mistake, you can know him better. You can be closer than you are now. There, there's, there's still some room between you. Where if you'll draw nearer, he'll draw nearer. Oh, glory. aren't you glad of that? Oh, hallelujah. The second thing that characterizes someone who is in revival, and that is repentance and separation. Repentance. Repentance is not a bad word. It's a good word. It's a necessary word. Amen. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians. Hallelujah. I, I tell you, uh, before, I go, before we go to that, I want to go back to this previous point. Complacency. Complacency. Being satisfied with where you are. Being satisfied with, with your relationship with God is the biggest roadblock there is to revival. Some people are, are so satisfied with what they have and, and, and the fact that they're born again and they're going to heaven. They're so satisfied and just so at ease that they have no vision for anybody else. No vision for seeing the lost saved. No vision for seeing the gospel expanded, the kingdom of God expanded. No vision for anything outside of just themselves. Well, I'm going to heaven. That's all I need. Dear God. That is, that is the, the, like I said, that is the, 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 the most, the biggest roadblock. Stir yourself up. Don't stay like that. Amen. The first place you can start is by repenting for being satisfied. Repenting for being complacent. Repenting for, uh, for, for, for being just not even interested in knowing the Lord better. Have you found 2 Corinthians chapter 6? Uh, verse number, let's start in verse number 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Now he's referring to the Christian and he's comparing the Christian to righteousness, light, uh, agreement, accord, so forth. He's comparing the Christian. And, and then he's comparing the non-Christian or, or things outside of Christ. Lawlessness. Darkness. Belial. Idols. Those things are outside the will of God. People that, that are involved in those things are outside the will of God. 
And he said, there isn't any place. There isn't any middle ground. What, what, what part is there for a believer? What agreement is there in a believer's life? How can light be, be joined to darkness? How can righteousness be, be joined to lawlessness, disobedience, sin of any kind? How can it be? It can't, it, you can't be in that situation and have your heart right. To be joined to darkness in any way. To have darkness working in your life in any degree, you have to, you have to quench the spirit. You have to put the light out to a degree to embrace darkness. You have to compromise righteousness to, to yield to lawlessness. You can't have them both going on at the same time. He said there's no part, there's no fellowship, there's no union between anything that's of God and anything that's not of God and you can't have them both working in your life unless you're compromised to some degree. Amen. He said, for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. See, that's what, that's what God's offering. God is offering to dwell in you and in us, to walk among us, to be our God and for us to be his people. This is both a statement of truth and a fact and it's also an encouragement and an offer to rise up higher. Therefore, how do you know that? Because he says, therefore, come out from among them and be separate says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. We'll see one message, the grace, extreme grace message says there's nothing you can do. God's already received you. He received you in Christ. He's received you as much as he can receive you. There can't be any more receiving because you're received and, there, and there's nothing you can do. Well, not according to this. He says you can come out. You can be separate. You can refuse to touch what is unclean and he will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. I thought he was our father. I thought if you're born again, he is your father. And you are his son. Isn't that right? Well, yeah, on one level, that's true. He is your, he is your father, but if you're not in fellowship with him, if you are in fellowship with darkness, if you are in fellowship with unrighteousness, yes, he's your father, but he cannot take the place, a rightful place of a father in your life because you're not allowing him to. Well, amen. He said, I will be a father to you. In other words, experientially. Not just positionally, but experientially. I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters. Therefore, having these promises, oh, glory to God. Having these promises, this is a, this is a wonderful promise. If, you, if you're sitting here today and the Spirit of God is working on the inside of you and showing you areas, you know, I, 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 don't, I think I could be closer to the Lord. I don't, I don't, really, I don't really feel that I, I have that same yearning that I did once upon a time. I see that I'm not measuring up. Listen, this is, there's a promise to you today. It's not condemnation, it's a promise, a great promise. Having these promises, let us, beloved, let us, he's not talking to sinners. 
He's not talking to the world here. He's talking to the church. Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Cleansing ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. See, sin, the, we all know that the flesh is unregenerate. And the flesh wants to lead us in, in uh, ways. There's a pull just because of our flesh. You see, you don't have to yield to that. And when you do yield to that, it, it, sin is not just a fleshly thing, it's a spiritual thing. It starts out in the flesh, but it affects you spiritually. Amen. Sin is a spiritual thing. He said, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Well, glory to God. I didn't quite get to nine. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, we're talking about what revival looks like. How, how, how do you know you're in revival? Well, if these things start working in you, it's revival. When these things get a hold of you, amen, then, then, you're, then you're being revived and you're moving with God. Listen, don't sit here in this church where God is moving, where revival is on. Listen, it's easy to get in with others who are flowing this way. Yeah, it's easy to get in. Just humble yourself. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you'll just take the step of humbling yourself, what does that look like? God, I'm not perfect. Lord, yes, there are areas that need to change in my life. I, I, I humble myself and I acknowledge that there are areas that need to change not stuff I didn't know about. Come on, come on, own up to it. Own up to it. I know better. I know better than, than to be living where I am. I, I know better than this. I haven't, just, I haven't just gone into this, you know, unknowingly. I've allowed myself to slip. God, I humble myself. If you'll take that step, he'll give you more grace. And more grace more grace. The more you humble yourself, the more grace you get. Oh, hallelujah. That's the message of grace. Amen. That he's always ready. Let us come boldly to, to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, amen. Let's stand up. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for calling us. There is an, there is an upward calling on all of us. Father, there, there, you are pulling on, the, on all of us, every one of us. Father, if we're, if we're conscious of that, there's a pulling, a drawing upward to, to, for us to not stay where we are and like we are. But to step up, you're pulling us up, you're pulling us higher, and you're pulling us closer. And it takes faith on our part 
And there's a, you're pulling us to come closer. And if we'll take that step, then you take a step. You respond. Because taking a step, the first step of humbling ourselves and admitting, confessing, Lord, I, I've lost the hunger that I once had. I'm not where I was. I'm not where I could be. And I, 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 I've got compromise in my life. I've compromised. When we, when we act on that prompting to come up higher by repentance, confession, then more grace is given. And, and we move up and you move closer. Glory to God. Oh, thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, how precious is your grace. How precious. How precious is the, the draw on our hearts when you, when you pull on us to, to separate ourselves. Separate from things that are just not profitable. Things that, that just don't help us. And in our life, just dealing between you and us as individuals, in our own individual life, those things are a hindrance. Lord, when you pull us and draw us and move and, 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 and deal with our hearts to separate ourselves. Oh, that's so precious. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because we could just go on in hard-heartedness. We could just go on in coldness, complacency, indifference. And just stay where we are and miss out on all that you have for us. Thank you, Father, for not leaving us where we are. Thank you for not leaving us alone. Thank you, Lord, for making us uncomfortable. Stirring us. Thank you for it, Father. How precious that is. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If you have a, uh, a sense that you need to draw closer to the Lord, if you have a desire to draw closer, maybe, you, maybe you've experienced this and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And that... that urgency to draw closer to the Lord is on you today and you came in here with this or if you are just convicted today of your need that's, that's, that's the Lord dealing with your heart and you want to draw closer regardless of that I want you to just come just come up as close around the front as you can you have a desire to get closer to the Lord to know Him better glory to God thank you Father Hallelujah. Now don't just come because other people are coming. Hallelujah. If you have a desire to know the Lord in a, in a deeper way, in a fuller way, 
Glory to God. Just come, come, come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Father, I pray for all of these today, Lord, that, that have humbled themselves before you and are reaching out in their hearts to you. Father, to, to have a, a deeper, more pure, more separated walk, to walk in, in, an, in an intimacy with you that they've never had before. Father, I pray that you satisfy the longing of their heart. Father, that you respond today and more grace is given right now in the name of Jesus. More grace is falling upon every one of this, these. As they stand here today, grace is being imparted. Help is being imparted. Glory to God. You're responding by them drawing near to you. You're drawing near to them today. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we know that the, that the fruit of hunger is more hunger. You satisfy the longing, but then you put hunger in us for more. Father, that's, that's wonderful. Glory to God. May we never, ever lose that. May these that are, that are here today never lose the desire, the consecration to know you better and, and the willingness to lay aside anything that you bring to them, anything that the Holy Spirit uh, talks to them about. Father, that they'll, that they'll have the grace to just instantly say no I don't want that I, I lay that aside Lord whatever it costs whatever it takes I want to know you and I want to have more of your power of your grace of your love in my life grant that to these here today in Jesus name let's just lift our hands and thank you for it glory to God hallelujah At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.